How do you find the will to fight back against a world that wants to keep you sedated, average, and stuck in place? Join us for the tools and strategies you need to create a life of abundance, discipline, and high achievement. This, this is the Tactical Empire with Jeff Smith. Welcome to another edition of the Tactical Empire. I am here today with Sean Ryder. What's up, my man? Oh, Jeff, you know, forgot to turn on my fancy light, so I'm sitting in the orange right now, but uh, I'll turn it on here in a second. But let me tell you, let me tell you my weekend. We went from uh, two sides of the spectrum. Friday night was no kid date night with the wife. The in-laws took the kids, which was great. Went to our favorite uh, authentic Italian restaurant downtown and uh, got home and Watched a murder mystery, so perfect. Watched some people kill some people, and uh, or at least try and kill some people. And then uh, Saturday night, we had an excessive amount of kids over for a sleepover. So we went from no kids to all the kids. My daughter had three of her girlfriends over, and my, my three-and-a-half-year-old son had his first sleepover with a buddy. So six kids, six kids. Wow. I got a little glimpse of what it's like to be in the Smith household. <laughs> Yeah, we have, we have all those kids, but they're all mine. So it's a little <laughs> yeah. different. You you are a brave soul for taking on uh, the the sleepover. That's it was great. It was, it was awesome, but certainly uh, 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 stimulating. It was it, you know <laughs> I had to talk myself off the ledge a couple of times. Oh, I'm sure. I'm the sure. Kids were great. It was awesome. We we want to be we want to be that house. We want to be the house where the the kids can come over and. And have a good time. So I told my oh, wife, though, after seeing all the stuff she bought for the sleepover, I said, you know, this isn't a birthday party, right? Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah. Kids, the kids don't have to be sent home with a goodie bag. <laughs> She's the entertainer. I love it. I love she it, was, man. She loved it. She was so excited for it. So. That's fantastic. That's awesome. Yeah, how, how was your weekend? Oh, man. Good and relaxing, kind of, I guess. We're, we're still in the process. We're selling things, moving things out donating, getting rid of things. So it, it was good. It was good. We uh, went over to our in-laws or my in-laws on uh, Friday, uh, had dinner with them because they were leaving town for a couple weeks. Uh, they're going to see their parents in Kentucky. So they'll be out of town. They want to see the kids for a little bit. And we went over there. So that was good, really good food and uh, hung out with them. And then Saturday, we just chilled and kind of worked around the house, got some stuff done. And then lazy, man, lazy. Played yeah. a lot of football, played a lot of Frisbee. It was beautiful here. So it was like 75 degrees and sunny. So we were outside all, all weekend. Nice. I think it's, I think it's 50 here, but I'm wearing a t-shirt. So it feels, feels really good. Sun's out. As long as it's not cloudy and windy, it's really nice fifties in, in Virginia, but um, what a, you know, what a, what a, what a first month. Let's, let's see, let's talk about that. Like what have, what have you gotten done in the first month of 2024? It was a month and a half ago. We're talking about, getting couples to do annual planning and, and setting your goals and intentions for the year. And, and here we go, basically almost 10%. Well, what's today, the, you know, five months into February. So if we do, it's exactly 10% of the year is gone. Yeah. 36 days of 365. So 10% of the year is gone. What, what, uh, what are you proud of for the progress or changes you've made? I know you guys are doing a lot of stuff, man. Um, I'm, I'm just excited that I, continue to dial in my consistency. And that's really what it was about, just continuing to do what I was doing, but like continuing to like ramp things up and make them more consistent. And uh, we, we've we done that. Um, 
the the ordering of our RV and stuff like that kind of made all that kind of real, mm-hmm. um, which has accelerated everything we were doing at our home and all the repairs that we're doing there. Um, I'm still pushing forward on a commercial refi. I mean, there's there's that, but I mean, some of the numbers I'm looking at coming back from that are tremendously different than we had anticipated. So like the financial windfall behind that refinance could be very interesting and uh, kind of make make the last 12 months of suffering all all yeah. worth it. It was going to be worthwhile no matter what to stabilize that those liens. But man, um, the, the amount of money that it looks like we're going to be able to pull out of it just makes it that much sweeter. So very good. Um, yeah. Things are good, man. I'm, I'm happy with where we're at. I, I, we have a, tr- it's hard for me to look and say that we've had a really good first five weeks or whatever. Um, although we have like, I still have so much on my plate that it's, it's really hard to digest um, with everything that I have to do in the next seemingly 60 days. Mm-hmm. Um, so between like, I'm, I'm raising capital for the self-storage rehab. Uh, I've got to execute on that whole rehab. That thing is, we should have the PPM for it this week. Um, we, we've been going back and forth with the SEC attorney for a week when I think we're on version seven of the PPM. And so like, you have to take care of all that legalese and then we have to go raise a million bucks and then we have to start a rehab and do the lease up. So I've got like uh, GC duties, if you will, um, overseeing the project and doing the rehab, which is not a huge deal. And then um, doing the marketing and the the operations side, the turning it into a turnkey facility, um, which is not really going to be a small feat that I have to pull off in a couple months. And uh, so, so there's that and there's everything else to go into what we're doing. So uh, my, my wife is kind of handling the, uh, the make ready on our home, if you will. Yeah. She's quarterbacking that side of things as to ease my ease. One thing off my plate. She's got a better eye for what is appealing to a residential property anyway. Sure. like that that's that's more in her space she's already redecorated and had our bathroom remodeled and repainted um in our master bath so we're, we're changing some things yeah. <laughs> as we exit and yeah. uh so yeah there's a lot a lot going on all right so if any of you listeners have a piggy bank that's been sitting dusty in the corner of your room jeff's looking for a few pennies to to rub together to help out with that storage unit but uh yeah it's not a solicitation don't no, not a, no, yeah. Well, I'm not on your, I'm not on that team, so I can say whatever I want. <laughs> um, your lawyer doesn't have a hold on me. Um, yeah, it's funny. Like, you and I think a lot alike, but uh, you know, d- what tickles Jeff's fancy in regards to what he's about to execute on piggybacking this, uh, quarterbacking this storage unit, as he, he said, uh, doesn't tickle my fancy. That does not sound super exciting. Um, being involved in the deal would maybe be super exciting, but uh, you go ahead and run with that 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 big task. So I look forward to it, man. Just like everything else you're doing. But if anyone can handle it, Jeff Smith can handle it. Well, I mean, uh, honestly, where my head's at right now with regards to RVing is like I I know it's going to be a whirlwind to get the fuck out of here. Like my next three months are going to be wild, wildly busy and wildly stressful, and I'm used to that and I'm okay with that. Uh, 
but what I really want to do is I really want to go build something else while we're traveling. And, uh, but, but that's really got a tight, tight buy box. Right. And, and like the parameters that go into that, cause I talk about not building yourself a cage, like don't work your way <laughs> into something like this is, this is going to have to be even more surgical than like regular, like the acuteness that you would evaluate deals with in, in the past, because like, I can't really have anything over the next couple of years that really steals my time. Cause even if you look at like, let's just say we were going to go out on the road with a, a 24 month plan and we were going to go to all these States or whatever. If, if I fuck up and buy something, that is turns out to be like a four month project that I'm underwater on for four months, I'll have missed one sixth of our actual experience and trip. And so like, I cannot do that. Mm. And, and so for me, I'm, I'm, but, but I do want to do it. I want to, I want to do it. And I want to show you guys like, so in my mind, it's either I'm going to go buy these self storage units and I'm going to flip them into turnkey properties that you you can run from and manage from anywhere like we're doing here in Houston. The reason I'm doing this one in Houston was to open up um, capital because it's going it, to it will be my track record so that I've got lenders lined up already that want to do this and replicate this project again, which is just simply a value add in the storage facility space. So what I'm doing is I'm taking a property for a certain price. And I'm essentially doubling the value of the property and removing the the sweat equity necessarily that you have to do in a regular like mom and pop place. So we're removing staffing and things like that, uh, which then raises the value of the property to an outside investor, the third party investor. Right. So part of me is thinking about doing that, like storage on the road, like go buy value add properties and do this over and over again. Um, while we're traveling or part of me is like, we're going to, we're going to choose an MSA or a Metro and we're going to build another portfolio of 50 to hundred houses and, uh, build teams in one, one particular area and continue to pile on there, which is kind of the one I'm leaning towards right now. And that would be uh, long-term rentals that we're going out and buying up swaths of properties, meaning like I'm, I'm going to run to 50 or a hundred in the next two or three years while we're on the road. Mm -hmm. So, and Jeff reserves the right to change his mind. Cause that's what freedom is all about. Ladies and gentlemen, we just dropped the, the, the freedom episode last week. If you want to go back and listen to it, like so, uh, people will hear that. And that like, to some people that sounds like such a hodgepodge non-concrete plan and their palms get all sweaty and their armpits get wet. Um, but like, that's a, that's a, that's a plan but you've built in the freedom and flexibility to give yourself permission to fucking change course. <laughs> and so it makes complete sense to me, even though it's not like how it's not the things I would personally be working on, but I get that dude. I totally get the right to change uh, before you start something or even when you're in the middle of something or you've worked on something like changing course and not getting boxed into only one strategy for the next 40 years uh, kind of comes into a topic that I want to talk about uh, today. And I'm going to use a word here that may not be um, appropriate, but as we talk, we can shift the perspective of that word or change the word in and of itself. But let's say people are 
getting into something. They think they have an end goal in mind. They think they have the right plan. They think they have the vision. They think they have the course of action, the the thing that they want to work on and do. And uh, maybe it's before they start it or in the middle of it, or maybe they've been in it for six years already, eight years already. But people shy away from the word quit and quitting, right? And again, I'm going to let you reframe and change that word just to switch people's perspective. But in this society where it's like, you never quit, you, you give 110% and nothing less. And like, God, like at some point you do move, like everyone stops things and moves on. Like that, that like, whether you use the word quitting, I don't personally say quit. I reframe it for myself, but to give people permission to quit, to stop doing things, if it's no longer serving them or the parent, like how do you walk people through that? How do you give people permission or what are some of the things people should acknowledge or look for when it's time to just fucking move on? Whatever word that is, you know, wh- where does your mind go when I bring the word quitting up? Yeah, I, I, I'm not probably the greatest person to teach or preach on this at all. Like, I mean, I, <laughs> I have I have run businesses too long. I have taken things past their expiration date. I have I have held on to investments that probably had seen their life cycle extinguished. Um, I have done all of this and yeah. and and to avoid quitting specifically. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think that most entrepreneurs or most high achievers or hard chargers just aren't aren't wired to accept failure or quitting, right? Like they, there's a saying in the entrepreneurial community that like you'll, success is inevitable as long as you just don't quit. And that's it. Like it, it, the timeline may take longer than you anticipate or longer than your friends or longer than the past, like people that you've seen do it. But if you don't quit and you keep showing up, you will eventually reach success Mm -hmm. um, to an extent. And that said, there's also like, we're hardwired to not let go of things. And so because of different reasons though, and that's where like, it really comes into what I've been able to unpack over time. And like, ultimately, usually the ego is involved at the beginning and it's always an indictment on you, right? You're a failure at X, Y, and Z if you extinguish this particular business through whatever methodology, right? Sell it, close it down, whatever. File bankruptcy. I don't know. I, I've I've not done that yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but but I mean, it, it's it's not to say that I'm not like beyond that, and I nothing could happen. So like, I'm a realist when I yeah. say that like y- you play this game anything can happen. Right. And so, I mean, you and I both have been involved in lawsuits. We've been, we've been sued. We've been slandered all those different things, right? They, they come into play the longer you play the game, if you will. And so what you have to accept and understand is you said the term that I like, which is like, is this serving you anymore? And then, and then if the answer is no, Cause we all go through seasons of life. Like we, most of us started our businesses in our twenties and we were, we were driven at a different level. We had more time. We had more availability. We had more willingness to do certain roles. Now, could you still do them? I'm certain you probably could. Um, 
are you a little wiser and smarter and can find ways to kind of operate and start businesses that you don't have to do those roles or that you can skip that stage or whatever, right? Um, usually you can grow in your skill set to where you're adding value on a different level and you don't have to return to those levels, hopefully. Um, but if you're, if you're holding on to a business or an investment, you need to constantly be auditing it and evaluating it for how it is serving you. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's a realistic question that's hard to answer, especially coming from where we came from in the like boutique gym business yeah. where, where those were businesses we built through like blood, sweat and tears. And it was the service industry. One thing I didn't understand about gyms before I came into it was the emotional drain that goes into running that style of business. You mean right? seeing your clients 80% of every single day of every single year is emotionally draining, Jeff? Yeah. yeah <laughs> Hell yeah, it is. And um, so you you settle into that. And, and most of the time, what happens is early on, you don't execute on any boundaries. And so by the time you try to implement boundaries, it becomes a problem. And so like to keep this on point on a business conversation and, and how do you understand that? Like for me, it's like, how is it affecting my family and how is it affecting me personally? And then is it lining up with the trajectory of where I want to go? Mm. And, and, and that answer is purely individualistic. Like it's yours. It's yours to sit with in a dark room quietly with no interruptions and whatever answer you fucking come up with, I, I support a hundred percent, but I also have no qualms anymore personally about choosing my direction either. And to me, it doesn't necessarily feel like failure. I, I can define it however I want to. Um, and and I'm not saying that this only happens when you're exiting a business. Cause like it, there's judgment, no matter what you do, right? Mm -hmm. You build a business, you exit it for eight figures. Someone's inevitably going to say you could have done nine. Like, mm -hmm. so it doesn't fucking matter. Like you close it down and take $0 and walk away because you want your time back tomorrow. And your time is what's valuable to you. People are going to talk shit anyway. Who cares? Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't matter. And, and so, um, so ultimately, though, you do want to get clear on things because I think that there's a there, there's oftentimes, especially in the business world, a, a group think mentality where you'll get around some people that are doing something and you'll get swept into the current and feel like that's what you need to do. Oh, I should sell my business. Oh, I should take the exit. Oh, I should close it down and do something else where I should go online and close up my brick and mortar. People have a tendency to get swept away with the undertow and not understand like how it affects them and what they want to be doing and things like that. And so from my perspective, the most important thing is to evaluate it from all angles and, and, and get over your own ego. If that's what's interjecting itself in the decision-making process. Mm -hmm. um, Cause there's other people in your life too. Like how is it affecting your spouse? How is it affecting your kids? Stuff like that. Right. And, and so like, those were things I didn't consider 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. Like to be fair, it was like, I'm out here. You're telling me to make X amount of money to support everything we got going on. I want you to stay out of my way. Honestly, 
100 mm -hmm. transparency yeah. that was my attitude about it i was like if you want the bank with this much money in it just i don't want to ask anybody any questions and yeah. and 100 and that was my attitude for a long time and then over time i grew and matured and i was like okay well like i want everybody to be happy on this journey and there's a million ways to make money and so like what what is serving us what is not serving us um and so then you evaluate it based on like where you're at and then you kind of say okay well here's the exit strategies this is where like if you're talking to an employee like you tell the employee not to bring you a problem without solutions right so like bring me some solutions i would say you approach this the exact same way like what are the fucking solutions a b and c a is scenario one b is scenario two c is scenario three and then you just work through like the ramifications that may happen on each of those mm. and then look at them and then how does it make you feel yeah well it, and and once you get through that you can kind of understand that's why the the couple's annual planning honestly we see so many powerful decisions come out of that like it tremendously like i've never seen anything work so well to make people take full 180 changes of their lives and it, it it comes out of like a joint vision for where you're going and then an understanding of like there's a support system behind you and this is why we're doing it it makes sense it's prudent it supports our family's future and what we're trying to accomplish and it may suck for a while but we're in it together type mm -hmm. thing and now I've talked for a long time, so go ahead. Well, yeah, yeah, Jeff just softball tossed uh, this to me so I can hit a home run. <laughs> no, uh, man, you're preaching to the choir. Listen, we've all been there. Um, obviously, anyone that um, knows me personally, uh, I've been making some big changes. And you didn't, you didn't ask the question back at me and what I'm most proud of this year, but you just kind of alluded to it at the end. Me and my wife did annual planning at the end of 2023, and there were some big thoughts that were brought up during that time for some changes that we could make in our life. And we did take ourselves there mentally. What does this look like if we get rid of X, Y, and Z? And, uh, you know, it stirs up some, some feelings and emotions, but you have to take yourself there mentally and, and imagine a life after that change has been had. So many people are paralyzed by making a change because of these short-term feelings or thoughts maybe of themselves, but usually some other people, what are these other people going to think about me? Um, and they get hung up, but I have to put myself in a space mentally on visualizing what life is like after the moment, after the action. We are all about taking action here. Um, not blind action, well thought out action and controlled action and putting yourself um, in a position to be able to handle changes specifically from a financial perspective. This is why we're big stewards, uh, big people that are focused on stewards of money. I think when you're a steward of money, you can make decisions that are in your best interest long-term. Um, but we've all been there, Jeff. I've been there. Um, and uh, I think the, the question was stemmed from the fact that people can learn from our lessons. They're still going to hold on to things and, and not end them um, when they probably should. But what are, you know, I think your answer you alluded to some of the lessons that you learned after the fact. And, and when you recognize the lessons that you've learned after the fact, the next time you're in the shit and you're auditing and you're doing your self-assessments and you start having those recurring feelings that you had 
eight years ago when you were involved in this other thing that you held on to three extra years, it's like, well, you're probably not going to hold on to that current thing that's giving you those same feelings for three more years. You're going to be able to exit faster and you're going to get better. This is what wise people do. This is what, this is what comes with maturity. Um, and, uh, you know, I started a business at 22 and a half, 23 years old. And, you know, at 12 years, um, you know, that was enough for me. And so looking back at looking back at for that business, that was enough for me and, and looking at bigger, bigger horizons in my future. But I've already put myself in the place mentally on what, what lessons am I learning before this process throughout this process? And there's gonna be more lessons to learn uh, on the other side of the fence of this process. And the one thing I have a few notes here for myself, I've been dumping my, my notes down, my thoughts down here um, to get them out of my head. And it's like, there's a difference there between if people play this episode back, you said something about the future and it, it is a difference between people who are future focused versus people who are playing the sunk cost fallacy. Mm -hmm. If I end this thing, I've wasted X amount of years. If I end this thing, I've wasted X amount of dollars. If I end this thing, I've I'm ending relationships. And like that is the sunk cost fallacy. I don't play into that, dude. I I learned this great. I learned about the sunk cost fallacy in my first accounting class in, in college. Um, and yeah. it, well, it wasn't the sunk cost fallacy, it was just sunk cost, period. It was, it was a yeah. it was a lesson my college accounting teacher taught. And, but the example that she gave on sunk cost within accounting is she's a college professor and she's like, look, I have plenty of one-on-one -on -one meetings with, with, um, you know, my college students. And over the years, I can't tell you how many people come into my office and I ask them how they're doing. And they're, they're talking about the relationship they're in and you, they're obviously apparently miserable. Um, and uh, I ask them why they, they aren't leaving the relationship. And they're like, well, I've been with the person for two years. And that's the example she used on sunk costs. She's yeah. like, it doesn't matter that you've been with the person two years, you're miserable. That is sunk cost fallacy. It's no different than the accounting term for sunk cost. You can't get back the money that are, that's sunk. It's gone. So I want people to be future focused. It's not about the time that you've allocated towards this thing, this project, this business, this for, for you that don't own businesses, the employment, the company that you've been dedicated to. I have to be loyal. Like it's not about that. It's about what does the future of your life look like? Because the time's going to come. You're going to fast forward. And where I put myself is five years from from now, can I still see myself doing the things that I'm doing? And sometimes the answer is yes, but some things need to change. Sometimes the answer is no, and I need to get rid of it. And I get there. One big lesson that I've learned, let me shift to the next lesson is as I enter something, as I enter, whether it's a, it's a business, a partnership, a project, an investment, a change in my, um, you know, the way that my, me and my wife are working towards something in our relationship, my parenting, if I say I want something, there's two questions now that I have to answer. The first question is, what am I, because we say, what do you want? What do you want? And people like blurt it out and they may or may not know. But the two questions that I've got really good at asking myself and now I'm asking other people is, okay, if that's what you want, what are you willing to commit to get it? The answer to that question, you know, some people just, everything, really, everything, 20 hours a day for the next five years. Well, no, you know, not that. Well, then that's not everything. Divorce? Are you willing to divorce? Over? Well, that's okay. Then it's not everything. So stop lying to yourself and actually give me the real answer. But then they always, they might get clear on that. What are you willing to commit? But then they forget the inverse of that. What are you not willing to commit? And when I was in my twenties, dude, the answer was I'll, be, I'll commit everything. I'm not married. I don't have kids. I'm a high school teacher, but my goal is to get out of that. So I'm willing to commit everything. Every dollar I save is going to go into this business. And as I've gotten on, you talked about this, life changes. Fam 
I got married. I got kids. I'm, I'm doing some other things that I'm becoming more passionate about. And, and then I asked myself those questions 12 years deep on, on the back end of it. It's like, oh shit, there's a whole lot of things that I'm actually not willing to commit anymore mm -hmm. to this thing. And then I, I brought those two lessons, the future focus versus sunk cost, the what am I willing to commit? What am I not willing to commit? Do I see myself doing the same shit in five years? Am I willing to commit to the work and the, the delegation and the hiring and the, and the answering to this and that? For the, and the answer is no. It all comes back to, is this serving me, my family, and my future and what we want and our greatest opportunities and what we're passionate about now? And when those answers, Jeff, are no, and then you can close your eyes and imagine life after the fact, all the other bullshit to me, dude, disappeared. All of it just disappeared. And it was like, fuck, the only thing I have to do is take the action yeah. and it doesn't matter. Everything else does not matter. And, and, but, but the only way I can get there and you, you said this, but I'm going to say it very, I'm going to say it the way that my brain works. Like you have to get all options on the table. And I say this in working with people in the inner circle one-on-one, -on -one, I'm like, well, what are your options? Well, I don't know. Well, it's not binary. It's not this or that. Like there, there's 360 degrees of choices here. So which like get as many on the table as possible and then just swipe the ones off that are not in your wheelhouse and you're going to start deducing it down. And as you work through this and it doesn't happen overnight, this is not a 24 hour exercise. This, and this is why it looks like people take too long to quit. If they work through this, it could be a month. It could yeah. be six months. It could be a year, but you have got to work through all that. Uh, but that's, dude, I'm, I'm in the thick of it. I'm in the middle of doing this right now. Yeah. But those are the lessons that I had to work through prior, during, and I'm going to work through it again on the back end. Well, I think that one of the things that you have mentioned is that like you did allude to it, but like the thing that you gain over time through wisdom and experience is that like the absolute value of opportunity cost. And so for me, with, with my gym as, as a, an example, and it taking me too long to close it and uh, get rid of it and sell it, uh, it, it cost me probably, and I told this to a room of people last month, but it probably cost me eight figures in opportunity cost, eight, eight figures of personal wealth. Because you uh, weren't working on something that could get you where you wanted to go because this other I, thing was distracting you. Correct. And, yeah. and so like I needed to be full-time in real estate investing that entire time. And I, I still did all right real estate investing, right? I mean, yeah. we, we, we are in a good position. We are not in a bad position, but I probably could have five to 10 X what I did without that distraction and and time suck and everything that came with it. So me in retrospect able to look back at that that situation, I I should have been able to kind of pack away my ego and um make a decision on it much quicker. And and there was there was a lot of emotions involved into it. And it, it allowed me to be clouded in what I thought I was doing and thought I could maintain. Um, but I think a lot of that came from like ego and hubris and it, it was just unnecessary. When you look at it from a, like a, a purely financial sense, 
the the financial windfalls that it would have provided my family had I brought it back and made it to where it was, like based on profitability and everything else, it, they 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 weren't worth the upside gain anyway. The yeah. only t- reason I was rebuilding that was to show that I hadn't failed supposedly. Yeah, but tell I had already people. created it. In, do what? I said, tell the people like that. They need to hear that. St- sorry to cut you off, but like that was no. huge, right? Like, so sorry, go back and say it and go deeper. But I had already built this business. So it was cranking. It was, it was highly profitable. It was a great community. It was everything that you want it to be. It was making a lot of money. It was doing things for my family and I, that we had set out to do um, eight years prior or seven years prior. Right. And, um, and so I had really achieved everything I wanted to do there. And then I had ran it successfully to the part, point where I could have exited it for multiple at that point in time. Then I went off. Instead, I tried to make it a self-managing business in the service space. And that's a difficult thing to do. Um, I probably underestimated the amount of leadership and necessary Same. guidance that I needed to provide there. And Same. so I stepped out and I did what I do. And I went fucking 100 miles an hour into real estate. And I got myself so busy into real estate that I didn't have time to support both businesses. And the, the, the fact of the matter is, if you run a gym, there's a, there's a certain level of leadership that's necessary. It can either come from you or it's going to have to come from a source. Otherwise, you're going to create a vacuum. That's right. And with that vacuum is going to come a shifting in culture, a shifting in values, a shifting in your clientele. And it, it can, it can be a slow death or a, a slow transition. And what happened in my case was that <clears throat> I have no problem saying this at this point, but the culture changed, the community changed, and it was no longer a place I was proud to run or enjoyed running. And so the the idea of going back in there and leading the ship with a bunch of people that I did not align with was really really interesting. And so you do a lot of soul searching in that situation. Like how the hell did I get here? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, for me, it was crystal clear and obvious. It was like, you went out and built all this other shit and then didn't pay attention here. Right. right. So, (laughs) which is why I think I can tell a lot of lessons in the tinker group that we run for two brain, because I'm like, don't do it like this because this is what's going to happen. And you better have a bridge built to your next thing. Or you can implode your business. You're not going to leave with like these pie in the sky multiples that you think you're going to walk away with. You're going to sell your stuff for asset value plus a little bit of money and some walking away money. And That's like, right. which is what I ended up doing. I mean, there's a lot of assets associated with that that I bought years ago or had invested in over time. So it wasn't a small amount of money. It was a decent amount of money. But like, it, it still was not what you imagine when you're like, oh, okay, I set my business up for an exit. And like, yeah. it, like when you talk about those seven, eight figure exits, those don't exist in the fitness industry. Yeah, yeah. And so um, you, you just have to be realistic with what you're doing. And yeah, man, there's, there's a million lessons learned from that situation for me. But like, I will be fast to kill things in the future as far as like, if it's not serving me, I mean, I think I'm already there. I don't make those decisions. I don't get into those situations, but I also understand that like, if I move on to the next thing, it's not an indictment on me. If I chose to move on, Mm. Um, if, if I have done things to 
my maximum potential. Like I made mistakes along the way right. running my business. There's no question. I, I still do to this yep. day with different businesses. Right. Um, but that business had, I had seen it through its full life cycle and I, I should have given it to somebody else, passed it on to somebody else, seller financed it to somebody else and, and blessed somebody else with the next opportunity that was me 12 years ago. Yeah, yeah. Could have come in hungry, enjoyed the culture, built it up to what they want it to be, and like taken the keys and ran with it because it was sure. already going. Well, at the time I got rid of it, it was going 45 miles an hour. It, it used yeah, to yeah. be going 80 miles an hour, but like right. it, it still was not going zero. And yeah. so, like, there's there's something to that that I wish more buyers would understand. Don't don't be pressing the button on me, dude. Uh, you, you, I'm not in that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a couple years removed yet. But uh, okay. you're hitting the nail on the head. And in that situ in that situation that you just articulated, here's the kicker, though. Someone someone has to be on the other side of the table, willing to uh, understand yeah. that and accept that. And uh, you know, uh, for me, uh, didn't have that. Didn't have that. Even if that uh, option was put out into the universe, but we won't go there yet. Um, but you're hitting the nail on the head, he man. Like we all have fucked up. We've all made big mistakes. And uh, you said something there, which comes back to a founding principle of the tactical empire. You said, if I decide to move on, that is not an indictment on me. Um, you understand that you're going to learn lessons from it, that you recognize we all make mistakes. Um, but this is why, ladies and gentlemen, this is why a found, founding principle of the tactical empire is that you are the asset. If you haven't taken care of yourself physically, mentally, spiritually, faithfully, uh, uh, financially, and then you go and pull some shit like this <laughs> that we're, we're describing here, you're going to be a fucking dumpster fire. Yep. But I was texting Jeff last week and he's like, Hey, Sean, how are things going? And I said, I said, if, if you close your eyes and imagine a calm motherfucker walking through fire, that's me right now. And, and I can only say that because dude, I know who I am, man. Yep. Like Jeff Smith, like I know, I know who I am. I know who Sean Ryder is and anything anyone else creates in their mind and the story they tell themselves about me and my decisions, that's for them to reconcile, bro. <laughs> I know exactly. I've already done the hard work. Yep. I've done the hard work. I've put my decisions in perspective. Okay. Um, we, we don't, we haven't, you and I talk about mortality, but we haven't talked about like, I, I watched my mom die. I stood in a hospital room and stared at my mom dying three years ago. There's nothing, nothing anyone can say or do to equalize that pain to me. And it's, and that's why I can walk through fire calm as a fucking cucumber, dude. And, and, and I'm already on the other side, man. I'm already on the other side mentally. Like, and this is why ladies and gentlemen, if you're listening to this, if you're not taking care of yourself, Whatever that means to you. For me, it's move your body, eat well, sleep, get outside, have sex. Like, if you're not taking care of yourself, like you can't be in a good position to make you can make these decisions, but you're not going to handle it well. Yep. Jeff. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, no, that makes it it's tremendous advice and wisdom that you're saying there for sure. Um, it, it's it's vitally important. I, I think the biggest thing that I took away from this back and forth is just like understanding the opportunity cost of what you're leaving on the table. And, and most of the time people stay in situations way too long. Like the, the, the better you get a business, it, I mean, failing fast is something that people say. Um, 
that's that's what you want to learn over time is like if it's not working out you want to you want to cut those sunk costs as quickly as you can and understand i mean whether it's a relationship like you mentioned or whether it's business or whether it's just an activity that's not serving you and uh and and move on to the next thing that is serving you as quickly as possible because yeah. like I mean, we have a finite amount of time, so you want to you want to find what's in your groove as quickly as you can. Obviously, I think I've I think I've said everything that I wanted to say on the topic. You got anything else for the people, man? I just think that it's it's so important to admit to where you're at and 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 reconcile that with you and be fine with it. I think most people have like we talk about imposter syndrome all the time. We talk about like all these self-limiting beliefs that people stay in situations too long and and it's usually just their own shit. And and I mean I have talked extensively on this episode about how I stayed in a situation too long that was it, it was of my own making. And um and for whatever reason, I mean I I could pinpoint a multitude of things, but like I wasn't able to work through that as quickly as I should have. And in retrospect, it didn't serve me or my family well. And so there's always options. You talk about putting all the options out on the table. Like I, I'm a huge believer that like nothing's ever finished. There's always options. And, and like as, as dire or as shitty as a situation looks or whatever you may be involved in, however your life may be laid out right now, there's always options always. And uh, whether you, if you don't like things in your life, then fix them and uh, choose a different direction. Choose to add a skill set. Like, I think that this, there's so much opportunity in this day and age to literally turn your life on its head in the shortest amount of time that's ever been seen in human history. (laughs) I mean, yeah. you could be a whole different human being in now, now internally and from a consistency standpoint, you probably have to do the work over a long period of time to that prove to time. those around you. But like if it, when it comes to a career or a job, holy shit, you can change that thing. You could be in a different yeah. field in 90 days, like full on experience yeah. with skills and putting it to use. And so there's really no excuse for being bound to anything besides like what's going on in your head. Mm-hmm. And, and so going back to your freedom conversation from last That's week, it like yeah. it, it all starts with you being free of the shackles of conventional wisdom and, and the, the emotions and opinions that are put on you by other people. And right. uh, so you, you got to get right with that. Yeah. Internally first. Yeah. You guys, you guys have to recognize that the, the, the dichotomy here is you have all the time in the world and you have no time at all. Mm-hmm. Like we have a very finite amount of time on this earth. And that's why I love, I don't have one, but some of our friends have that poster where every week they color in one of the black boxes and it's got the expected average uh, lifespan in weeks. Sure. And every week they have to color off that black box. And it's, it's just a, it's just a moment there every week where they have to recognize their mortality. And, um, you know, and this is why people that, that, that get served, you know, uh, some, some tough news at the doctor, like it's an immediate mindset shift of, of priorities and perspective. 
and you, you hope not to be in put in that position, but a practice is putting yourself there mentally. So you, hopefully you don't ever get put in that position, but if you do, you've already, like, I, I brought up the fact that my mom died. Like it was a 30 day whole fucking thing. And on day like five, I've start, I started like imagining what the, what the worst case would be. And, you know, I don't want to put that out in the universe, but, um, you know, I had to prepare myself, Yep. but because I prepared myself, it actually gave me strength to find the actions I could take the options on the table. And, and without, that'll be a whole separate podcast episode, but like, I got to a point where I got called by the, the, the hospital and they said, Hey, we can't do anything else for your mom. And this was in the middle of like every hospital was full during COVID. Like we can't transfer her anywhere. We can't do anything. We can't help her anymore. Um, and, uh, dude, I took to social media and one of my posts went viral. And within three hours, I had a doctor from another hospital calling me, asking me questions. And, uh, within two hours from that phone call, my mom was being transported to his hospital. Yeah. I remember and it's, that. Be and it's because you and I had a phone call, I think later that day yeah. and we had one scheduled and I missed it. <laughs> so I, I, I had to tell you what was going on. Um, cause and ladies, Jeff, ladies and gentlemen, Jeff Smith has been through all the shit with me. So this is why I, I highly respect his opinion and thoughts. He knows uh, a lot of stuff that I've been through and, uh, that was one of them, man. And it was, I had to take myself there mentally on what is the worst case scenario here. So I could reverse engineer the better options and yep. choose, choose the best one in the moment. Um, for the, for my mom to have the chance to survive. And like, look, our lives aren't that dire. Like that is the worst thing that could happen to you or your family. Uh, but you're, you sending that resignation letter that takes you five minutes to write, like that's not the end of your life. That's not the worst case scenario. You have so many other options. You have such a big future. You have all the time, but you have to recognize that you have no time at all. So fucking ladies and gentlemen, stop fucking around. And do the thing that you feel deep down in your heart. If you've done this, if you've done the work, if you've done the work on yourself, the answer is right in front of your fucking face. You already know what it is. So just take, take that step, man. Take that one little step forward. You will figure it out. There are, as Jeff said, there are always options. You just may not know what they are. They will present themselves to you when you take action. Action solves a lot of fucking problems. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Let's go. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, man. Have a great week, guys. And we'll see you next week. Follow us on YouTube. Give us a subscribe and uh, post in the Tactical Empire community. If you have any questions, we want to help you guys get better. And we want to take massive action. We'll talk to you next week. Let's go.